bum 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 two days a day and we're slaying favorites no other way but slaying favorites what can i say i'm slaying favorites but you didn't come to hear me sing you came for slaying favorites this movie sucks hello everybody and welcome back to slaying favorites Wee wee woo Here we are. First episode of 2021. Hope everybody had a lovely New Year's Eve. Hope everybody was safe and responsible. Anybody send any risky texts? I know I did. Oops. Um, so here we are. I'm glad to be back. And we're starting with a really exciting one. Um, today we're talking about Silence of the Lambs, which is from 1991. Um, if you haven't heard of it, um that's bananas um because it's a very popular famous movie and you should check it out regardless of whether or not i liked it which you'll find out and today i have a great guest uh her name is lexi um she is a woman of multitudes um lots of talents and interesting she probably can juggle i haven't asked but i'm sure that she maybe can um so thanks for being on the show lexi hi thank you i'm very excited i also can't juggle no no sorry everybody um, <laughs> sorry I, to disappoint. i ripped it from you that quick um that's just how it goes um so yeah we're talking about silence of the lambs which is a movie that i've seen a lot of times um and a movie that you have seen a lot of times you just told me that <laughs> earlier um so I figure we just, um, oh, first of all, I want to congratulate you on being the first guest of 2021. What an Thank honor. You. I'm this honored. Is, this is the season two premiere of Slaying Favorites. Um, the ratings have stayed up somehow. The network <laughs> says that we can keep going, um, but we are definitely on thin ice, um, <laughs> is what I've been told by the execs. Um, but for now, we run. Um, so I like to start out with um, with you just kind of giving your like your little spiel, your little elevator pitch about why you feel particularly connected to this movie and why you consider it to be a favorite worthy of being on the podcast. Okay. So I grew up in a household where my mom was absolutely kind of insanely addicted to true crime and all of that stuff. Like I had don't talk to strangers, carry pepper spray shoved down my throat at mm-hmm. age like so I've always been into true crime sure, and sure. my stepdad and I watched this movie a couple of years ago. And the fact that it is surrounded by a female, like main character, she's from mm-hmm. Virginia. Yeah. Is. And I don't know. I, she does a lot of things that I've always wanted to do with my life, which is like go to the FBI and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's pretty much where it kind of lands home for me is just cool. a lot to relate to so to clarify you saw it you saw this movie for the first time pretty late in life like it was you said it was only like a couple years ago yeah I think it was I think I was about 15 okay 15 okay that's not bad yeah 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 so yeah so I I saw this movie for the first time I think when I was like 12 years old which Mm -hmm. was too young um too young (laughs) um my my mom 
got me, I had this little stuffed lamb who had a little squeaker. Oh. And my mom named him Squeaky Silence of the Lambs. And I was like, that's cool, but I'm six. Um, and I don't that know means. the context of that. Um, and now it's just more disturbing, I think. <laughs> um, like it never got any, like I wasn't like, oh, I get it now. I was like, oh, yeah. that, was, that was a cry for help. So I went down. Being a single mom is tough. Um, so yeah, so, uh, so let's dive right in. Yeah, so obviously um, this... This movie is very notable in in the sense that it um, it's on a million different lists. Like Clarice Starling and um, and Hannibal Lecter are on a million different lists for like being mm-hmm. like top five protagonists, top five female protagonists, top five villains of all time, yeah. and stuff like that. And like obviously, these are very notable characters um, for that. Everybody knows. Um, everybody knows about Hannibal. Like everybody mm-hmm. has, has heard of Hannibal. Um, just for people who, I mean, if you're listening to this, I hope that you've seen this movie already, but if you are not averse to spoilers and you're just like masochistic that way, I'll give you, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little background. It basically tells the story of Clarice Starling is like um, in the FBI Academy. Like she's still a trainee, but like she shows a lot of potential and she is kind of it it all falls under the backdrop of the fbi trying to learn more about this killer who people call buffalo bill um who is like killing and skinning these women um and in in the midst of all of that they send out their trainee who's starling and they send her out to kind of work uh, like like work out like in the mind of of hannibal lecter who's like a a psychiatrist turned cannibal murderer and then they need to focus their attention on Buffalo Bill. So they're kind of sending her out to work with Hannibal who has a tendency of getting in people's heads and, and mm-hmm. fucking with them. Um, but then the stories all converge because then Hannibal ends up kind of being this like bargaining shit. And it's like, if we can offer you something in return, maybe you can help us solve this case. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you know this Lexi, but it's actually based on um, the, the, the book and and then the subsequent movie, like this whole storyline is based on the FBI agent who worked with Ted Bundy to help mm-hmm. get details on the green river killer. Yes, I did. Know that. Um, so this is something notable. I mean, this yes. is, and, and, and a, a grand theme of this movie is um, the federal government getting buddy buddy with serial killers, which is, mm-hmm. I think, a different kind of underlying conversation. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the fact that it's a notable enough thing that just happens that it's worth worth it to make books and and movies about it. Uh, it's interesting, um, but yeah. So Hannibal is only actually on screen for twenty four minutes. Um, yeah, and yet he has been he he's he's gone on to have this huge legacy as an, as one of the number one villains of all time. I wonder what your take is on like, do you think he lives up to that title and what, what is it about his very short amount of screen time that can generate such a huge public response? So going off of what I've researched about this movie, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins did a lot of research and kind of just portrayed a lot of horrifying features into his character so the entire time we see Hannibal on screen he doesn't blink so like that intense Mm -hmm. direct eye contact 
doesn't make a lot of people comfortable. And I read somewhere that Anthony Hopkins chose to wear white later mm-hmm. on in the movie to like portray this kind of fear of like medical professionals, like doctors and dentists. Right. So I think a lot of his success with being this scary villain comes from his research and like instilling this fear into people. And that's why he sticks so well in that community. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I read something that it was his, his blinking thing was, uh, it was based on the behavior of reptiles, mm-hmm. like reptiles only blink when they want to. Yeah. Um, and that's what he chose to do, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's reasonable enough. Um, do, now, do you think like, obviously we see, so there's an interesting thing that happens in this movie with the character of Hannibal. And there's Mm -hmm. an interesting thing that happens just with the tone of the movie in general, which is something that I didn't truly latch onto until this most recent viewing today. So it starts as this like very almost art house, like psychological thriller. It's very Mm -hmm. like in your head, you know, nothing on the nose, nothing at face value. You have to take everything based on the reactions and responses of a lot of different people. Like, mm-hmm. even if you look at like Clarice Starling, who we'll get to later, every time there's, there's a running thing where there's often POV shots of her talking to people yes, to try to like alienate the mind and, and try to show you what's happening from her perspective only. And to show mm-hmm. you kind of how she's just thrust into this world and this, this cast of characters. And it's all very like, uh, it's all very drawn out and, and tense and artistic. And, and there's a point, uh, I'd say about two thirds into the movie where you really hit that territory where like it becomes just like, like 11th hour thrill and mm-hmm. it never comes back from that. So it shifts from being like very like procedural and very mm-hmm. like internal to being like very external and almost like shock value-ish a little bit. Like it hits a certain point where it, mm-hmm. like it takes a complete turn. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that I personally don't like about this movie, one of, the, one of the main things that bothers me is in my opinion, I think that the fact that we see Hannibal kill people in my opinion, is a takeaway from his character in general. Mm-hmm. I think that it's frustrating that the audience gets handed the bait so easily, mm-hmm. even though Anthony Hopkins has spent the whole beginning of this movie showing us that, like, you know, I've got reason to be scared of this guy. Like, you don't have to show me anything to make me yes. scared of this guy. I see it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like, you know one of the most like like I have a little Funko Pop figure that I got for Christmas which is him in the straight jacket with the mask on and stuff like that and and I I feel like a lot of people's basis for Hannibal is so scary is the fact that two-thirds into the movie you see him go total beast mode you know Mm -hmm. it's the same problem that I have with Split with James McAvoy Mm -hmm. all these different multiple personalities and then when the beast is finally revealed I'm like okay well like yeah I knew that like you didn't have to tell show me that I I I, yeah. I knew what he had done. He's scary, you but you don't to have to like. It. Yeah, yeah. But so I I wonder. I mean, do you think that? I do. Do you think that that hurts the film? Do you think that it adds anything anything to the film? I mean, 
what do you think about that turning point in in the film and 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 if if any what what value do you think that it, it gives to the story so a lot of people i'm assuming don't know that silence of the lambs is actually part of a trilogy yes for Hannibal. so i feel like a lot of people go into silence of the lambs not seeing the other movies and seeing Hannibal actually do his crimes because in previous movies, everybody sees Hannibal like killing his dinner guests and both. Right. Right. So I think having that scene where he kills the security guard mm. I think kind of adds to it because a lot of people don't know what Hannibal's capable of. Like whenever all of the rest of the security guards go into this massive area where his jail cell is. Right see like the prison guard hanging up in like a christ position and they don't realize that like how artistic i guess Mm -hmm. is with his portrayal and how he displays everything so i think adding that murder scene kind of shows people what hannibal is capable of Mm -hmm. i think that's how it adds to the movie but i get Mm -hmm. coming from like you don't really have to show me what he did because they right the entire movie. <laughs> Do you think that it, what, if you're looking at, because the way that I follow this movie above anything else is, mm-hmm. is it's, it's about the relationship between Hannibal and Clarice Starling. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really what you're, even though the screen time is extremely limited, you're following the individual psyches of the two, you know, you're, you're following her story as she is being impacted by this guy. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that, what in 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 the in the premise of of him and Clarice and him trying to be helpful and him almost taking a liking to Clarice and kind of like a bizarre almost love story kind of way mm-hmm. what how do you think that him kind of unleashing contributes to the rest of that i mean he goes from being very particular to then not only killing people and kind of letting loose but also in advance of that, you know, having this really like vile encounter with Catherine Martin, who's the art, Catherine Martin's mom, Catherine Martin mm-hmm. is the girl who is being held in, in Buffalo Bill's little well. And then mm-hmm. her mom is a Senator. How do you feel about that? You know, I mean, I mean him, him kind of changing course emotionally. I mean, what do you think that is and how does that contribute to the relationship? So I feel that in the beginning we do kind of see him taking a liking to her mm-hmm. he's not really giving her direct information on how to find buffalo bill but he's kind of giving her these hints and like pushing her to do it herself right type of situation but whenever the part comes where she gives him this opportunity to go to the beach for one week a year and like getting into a new prison cell and then he finds out that that's not true I feel like that kind of starts his spiral down and like he's being super disrespectful to the senator. And I feel like just kind of the betrayal that he feels from Clarice Mm -hmm. kind of influences his behavior because he does kill this cellmate next to him in the beginning of the movie, but that's because he disrespects Clarice as she's walking out. Right. And I just feel like this betrayal that he feels from Clarice mm. of her lying to him kind of influences how right. he goes later on in the movie. Mm. No, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. 
I, I actually took note of the, uh, there's, there's something that is happening between Hannibal and Clarice that is very, it's very paternal. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my, uh, so actually I'm going to shelve that for now. Let's, I want to, I want to <laughs> dive into, uh, I want to dive into Clarice a little bit before I get to that point. So um, the, first of all, the, the opening shot, the opening scene of the movie is, is interesting mm-hmm. um, because it, it's something that I've never been able to crack, but the, it, it feels more meaningful than it is because it's this very, it's this very well done and like very like carefully set up sequence of her just running. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that it shows, you know, Clarice is this very, she, she has gone down with a legacy of being like a very prime example of what feminism can look like in an mm-hmm. unorthodox environment. You know, because she's not, I mean, she's, she, she's towing a line throughout a lot of this movie between I'm a feminist in the sense that I'm one of the boys, but I'm also a feminist in the sense that all the boys are shit, you know, like I'm not like, (laughs) like she, she, she never gets the whole like, oh yeah, I'm one of the guys thing because mm-hmm. none of the guys are actually like nice to her. There's not a single character who like respects her because she has masculine attributes, mm-hmm. which is very unique because usually that's the trope that we see mm-hmm. is like a woman being at least, you know, it's like, it's like a Marvel thing. It's like, oh, you know, you're, you're a woman, so you're not a person, but you're acting yeah. like a man, which is the closest thing to a person that you're going to give me, <laughs> I can run yeah. this, you know? it's like you know Natasha Romanoff in Avengers Age of Ultron being like Mm -hmm. oh I'm infertile and it's like oh then you're a guy perfect (laughs) you know it's like one of those but but this is this is one where there's not a single male character in this movie that Mm -hmm. is 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 good to her except Hannibal yes but it's because Hannibal is her dad Mm -hmm. and that's why and then that's the vibe that I get. Not like her real dad, well, but like yeah, obviously. <laughs> he's her, you know, he's her metaphorical father figure. Yes. So I don't think that Clarice Starling is a good feminist character. Mm-hmm. That's my feminist critique, which I know is crazy because <laughs> if enough people have said it before, it has to be true. Exactly. But <laughs> I made a whole podcast about this. Um, so I think that Clarice starts the movie running away from her problems in both Mm -hmm. a literal and figurative way. And throughout the entire movie, she never actually conquers anything. She only actually does what men tell her to do. And I want to know what your take is on that. I can see that. I can see it 100%. There, I also did um, note that a lot of the men in this movie take to Clarice only because she's attractive. Yeah. Like, so 
it's different for Agent Crawford to send such an attractive agent in here, blah, mm-hmm. blah, and uh, we see Chilton being like, well, are you going to stay in Baltimore? Are mm-hmm. you here for the night? And she's like, no, I have work to do. And like mm-hmm. any pursuit that a male character takes to her, she pushes it off. She's like, mm-hmm. I got to do. I got right. to do. And um, we see a very obvious um, example of mansplaining, I guess you want to call it. Oh, everywhere. The whole movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole the thing. The specific one that I noted was when they're looking over the body that they find in the Elk River. Mm-hmm. And the coroner, Clarice, looks at the picture from her mouth and she's like, there's something in her throat. And the coroner's like, yeah, whenever bodies in the river, stuff's going to go in their mouth, blah, 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 blah. And then they pull it out and they find Buffalo Bill's calling. Right. And I think she is not the most prime example of a feminist, but I do feel like there are some attributes to her, like her pushing away all the love interests and right. kind of putting herself out there that kind of... Well, and and that I think is something that... I think that's a symptom of a bigger issue too, is that I think that like, I don't think Clarice is much of a feminist figure, but I also Mm -hmm. don't think that she has to be. And I think that this is more of a representation of like, I I think my, my critique in this case is not a critique against the filmmakers more necessarily, but it's more of a critique of Hollywood and a critique Mm -hmm. of critical reception. And I think that it's funny that, of all the things that you could celebrate about this movie, one of the things that gets celebrated the most is that Clarice is such a perfect representation of what feminism looks like, especially mm-hmm. 1991. I mean, it's modern yeah. feminism. It's not, it's not 1960s, you know, quote unquote, bra burning feminism or like, it's yeah. not Gloria Steinem feminism. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's Ellen Ripley feminism. It's a woman like, taking the lead yeah. and being one of the few women in a male dominated profession. Like, that. right. Well, and and that, and that's the thing, I, you know. I say Ellen Ripley feminism because if you really look at it, I mean, Clary Starling is she's she's just Ellen Ripley from Alien without the biceps, you know. <laughs> so, and it's and that's the funniest thing about this movie is I think that she's a great character, mm-hmm. really well written character, really you know, a, a, a performance worthy of all the awards that you could get. Yes. But not because she's a feminist, because she's nuanced. Because mm-hmm. we've seen, quote unquote, feminist characters like this a ton. Mm-hmm. 1991 was not the beginning of a new world where we were going to see what women could do when they stood up with the guys. We've seen mm-hmm. this a million times. Yeah, but That's the final girl trope. I mean, every horror movie yeah. that came out from 1980 until uh, yesterday is about a woman <laughs> who is like, oh, maybe I'm not. Oh, I'm strong. You know, like, like that. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, oh, if I can kill Jason Voorhees, you know, I don't have to fuck anybody. Um, Which is like, you know, yeah, it's there, and 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 that's the. But actually, in line with that, something that is kind of funny is that uh, Clarice doesn't. Clarice is never objectified from the audience's perspective. She's mm-hmm. only objectified by other characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. But we never get like a male gaze moment from the outside. 
which mm-hmm. is interesting because a yeah. lot of movies of this caliber, a, a, a different filmmaker, even a, a, a well-versed filmmaker mm-hmm. would have had to find at least one opportunity to sexualize her from the outside. There's no fan service in this. No, there's not a single bit of fan service. <laughs> there's not a single bit, which I wonder if that maybe is more of the explanation. I wonder if a lot of the feminist appreciation for her is not so much for her, but for yeah. her, the character that's offered to them. The fact that she's not just like running around with her chest out. Right. Yeah. So it's not that she's a feminist, but it's that there's a... It, 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 she's presented in an empathetic way. Mm-hmm. You know, we never have, like, I, I can't tell you how many action movies and thriller movies and things like that with, like, the, the tough feminist character who's running with the boys, but then she has to have that sex scene. There has Laura to Croft. be that, that yeah. Well, that's, and, and like, that's the first too. one that came to my head. I mean, Lara <laughs> Croft is, like, from, from the first minute of the movie, she's sexualized, but you do have mm-hmm. those characters who get, like, worn down. Like yeah. the woman who's like, I'm running with the guys, I'm fighting and everything. And then there's that really weird, like Terminator style, like intimate sex scene where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, she has feelings. Too. She's emotional on top of all of it. Yep. Because the only way that men know how to show that women are emotional is to show them being naked. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only kind of vulnerability that a lot of people can understand. Whereas <laughs> in this movie, we see a very nuanced yes. sense of it. Because mm-hmm. she cries a handful of times. She does whenever after her first interaction with Hannibal and she runs out like all the prisoners are yelling at her. She goes out to her car and she has like this flashback of her father and she's leaning against her car crying. Right. So there's a lot of emotion in it. Right. And I and I and that all cycles back around to this whole idea of Hannibal being her dad. He Mm -hmm. from from the first minute, the thing she's got that chair set up in front of him. And the first conversation that they have is about Migs and about mm-hmm. like, what did he say to you? Yeah. Their very first interaction begins with like patriarchal dad type. It, be- it mm-hmm. already begins with overprotective father before they even know each other. Yeah. Like, like what the- did he say to you? How can I change? The- right. Like the first thing you? that he did. And then, and then she starts to leave after that conversation and mm-hmm. she gets a cum shot to the face. <laughs> and then, Hannibal freaks out Mm -hmm. he freaks out because he's angry Mm -hmm. and then literally kills the dude who did it just by whispering to him just by whispering absolutely insane and and talk about talk about this perpetuation of uh (laughs) of of toxic masculinity from a paternal standpoint Mm -hmm. not only is this guy pissed that this girl is being sexually harassed and being taunted and abused, but he is so powerful that he can just convince an asshole dude to just die. To kill himself. He yeah. Can just, he can just whisper to him and make him die. Yep. Which is insane. <laughs> I mean, it gives me the same feeling of like whenever a girl brings home a new boyfriend and like mm-hmm. on the couch with a shotgun, like mm-hmm. that type of situation, except in prison, but. <laughs> right. Well, I actually, you know, I, I, I broke it down when I was taking notes. Um, and I, I think that the, the way that I see it is that there are four different key representations of masculinity in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's Hannibal, there's Buffalo Bill, and then there's Chilton from the psychiatric hospital. Gross. And then there's Clarice, mm-hmm. four different depictions. So you've got Hannibal 
who well let's start with Chilton because it's the most on the nose I mean obviously the dude's a dick like like from the, the first thing that he says is uh, the, the whole line about like oh oh Crawford usually doesn't send a, such attractive women I mean that's his first line in the whole movie I literally wrote in my notes Chilton is gross right like I mean he he sucks and he's gross and the whole time he's gross and and the one of the funniest moments that I noticed this time around is you know that whole like uh you know the whole like DM thing where you'll get those guys who like DM you over and over and over again. Then they say like "bitch, whore, I don't even like you anyway," mm-hmm. but, like because they're not responding. Yeah, Hilton does that same type of emotional gaslighting because he's very he flirts with her the whole time, and then when they finally get down to the room and she says, "I think it better it'd be better if I just went in alone," and he he's goes, like, "Well, I wish you would have suggested that before I walked down all this way." Like yeah. that's that's such a like. Well, you're a fat bitch anyway, and I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Like, like I, I, I never noticed that before, but I was like, wow, mm-hmm. like this dude, like that's a, like, that's a master class in like yes. reply guys. Um, <laughs> and then, so like, obviously that's that. And then you have Buffalo Bill, which is, who's fascinating. Um, There's so much to unpack with him. Because Buffalo Bill is interesting because like, I see... Like, I see it. Like, I see where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that's interesting, though, is, is uh, he's, he's clearly having an internal battle with his gender and with his sexuality. And he's clearly, mm-hmm. you know, he's so resentful of having a penis that he tucks it away. And, and mm-hmm. he, he, he wants to be a woman. In mm-hmm. the most core and visceral sense of the thing, I mean, he yeah. he hates his own penis, which from like an like a Freudian standpoint is like the you know that's like a key component. Like mm-hmm. I I hate this thing that I've been given because it's the one thing that will never let me be who I want to be. Mm-hmm. But also, when he's being abusive to Catherine, mm-hmm. it's the most stereotypically toxic masculine side of somebody that they could offer. Yes. Like when she's in the hole and she starts to scream because she sees all the blood on the walls. He just right. mocking her. He's just mocking her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and, sh- and using like a, 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 a guttural throat yell. Yes. You know, I mean, he's literally, he's digging into the most masculine parts of his biology and just releasing them. Mm-hmm. And something that is interesting is that he's when he's doing the whole lotion on the skin bit and like yelling at her up from the top of the well he's got like a sleeveless shirt on (laughs) and it's the most masculine he looks in the whole movie yes he's got his hair fluffed back almost like 80s surfer hair he's got his he's got his biceps showing (laughs) under the sleeveless shirt that he's got on never once throughout the rest of the movie does he ever look that masculine (laughs) even when he kidnaps her he just looks like a dorky old guy he's like you know (laughs) She has a line where she says something. She's like, you look pretty disabled or something like that. Like she yeah. literally says that to him. <laughs> you look pretty handicapped. That's yeah, cool. you look pretty handicapped. <laughs> like, like <laughs> he's, he, it's not even like a Ted Bundy thing where he's like, hey girl, you want to help me to my car? And she's like, yeah, sure, Ted. You know, it's not even like she that. She helps him because he looks weak. Because he looks like a damn fool. Yeah. So th- there's this inconsistency of the way that he portrays masculinity. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like you were so close. <laughs> like you were so close and I wanted to believe you because I feel like even when he kidnapped I her, wanted like, to feel bad for you right like I wanted <laughs> to like I wanted to see you and that's the thing because it's like you know 
as somebody who listens to a lot of true crime, I run through a very vicious cycle of like, yeah, I feel extremely bad for how you were raised, but also you're fucking insane. Yes, you know? always. But the, the, it was like the sleeveless shirt bicep thing really bothered me mm-hmm. because I was like, like that was appealing to the audience. You know, mm-hmm. that, would, that was something. You, you, it, it was important still that there was a scene in this movie where a woman got yelled at and abused. Like it was so important to have that, that they had to sacrifice an entire character's persona for like two minutes. Literally not even. And it's one of the most notable scenes in the movie. That lotion on the skin line is famous. Yes. You see it everywhere. So yeah, that always sits weird with me because it's like, if you were going to go through all the work to be controversial enough to show him like dancing around with his like dick tuck between his legs and yet you can't maintain that consistency. Like you, you can't show him tapping into his feminine side, even, even when he's haunting this woman. I don't know. It's just very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a very interesting character. I would like, I, I, I wonder, I haven't looked up any interviews or anything with Ted Levine, but I would love to hear his take on playing that character. I haven't either. That's something I'm going to do after this. I have to. Yeah. Like, I think that he's one of the interesting ones. Yes. Because he, he went on in his career. He was on Monk for a long time. Mm-hmm. He went on to play exclusively, like, hyper-masculine characters. <laughs> like, he never played another character ever that, like, tapped into any kind of feminine side like that. Which is yes. why I'm interested. And I'm wondering if that movie was, like, hard for him. And then he just abandoned mm-hmm. the idea of being a character actor anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, yeah. And then there's Clarice, who is so masculine, but so feminine at the same time. She has such, mm-hmm. a, she has such a natural, organic balance mm-hmm. of... of, of of genderedness that that it's like honestly like i i can picture uh, i i don't mean i don't mean to fixate so much on the fact that she never gets naked in this movie or that she never has a sex scene but it's if you think about it it's actually kind of crazy that she doesn't that there's never one minute of like misogynistic fan service yeah you would almost expect it. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I was just about to say you kind of expect it at this point in movies because they're right. always, even if it's just a second of just bare skin, anything. Right. There's not not even a little Hard. bit. I mean, literally, not even a single moment of like. I, there's so many like '80s action movies where like the badass female protagonist will like all of a sudden just like change her shirt in the mirror for whatever mm-hmm. reason even if it's just like a bra shot even if it's not full yep. nudity there's always that one <laughs> scene where she just has to like take a really long time picking out a new shirt <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> I think it's so funny so she's got this wild balance but also i mean clarice has daddy issues i mean big time daddy issues like yeah and and hannibal is filling a void for her mm-hmm. and i think that she knows it's unhealthy yes you know it's she, every time she gets some kind of a lead in this case she goes back to hannibal right like, like she gets it like she is completely aware of what she's doing and that's and it bothers her so much mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's not even from a like, because a lot of a lot of people could look at that as being like a oh, you know, she has a sympathetic thing with him where she's like, oh, I know that you're an evil, brutal killer, but also you're very smart or also you're very helpful or you know this or anything. But it's deeper than that. It's literally mm-hmm. like rooted in her trauma. Yes. And that's what it is. Because in we see whenever, I forget where they're at, but whenever he's in that big open jail area and he hands her the case files, he does this like soft. Yeah, it's, it's intimate. His, yes, and it kind of reminds me of like a comforting situation because right. she just explained her whole childhood trauma with the lambs to him. And then he kind of offers this like comforting touch to her. Right. Which I also agree. It's more of a fatherly gesture than an intimate one. Right. Well, intimate in a family way, not necessarily yes, yes, intimate yes. in like a, but, but also, you know, from a, from like a psychosexual standpoint, if you look at like, from like, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use Freud as the end all be all because dude had some fucked up thoughts, but, but from like a psychosexual standpoint of like, even though he's insane, mm-hmm. he's the only man who treats her with any kind of even perceived grace, mm-hmm. he doesn't treat her with real, real grace because he's actually crazy. You know, <laughs> and he doesn't actually really care about her. He just is responding to, I think, his own innate, like, patriarchal bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think there's ever a point where Hannibal actually takes to Clarice. I think it's more of just a response to his own psyche. His own end goal. Right. Wants to get to that new prison. He wants a cell with a view. So he's right. to act toward Clarice in a way that gets her to get him where he needs to be. Right. So in a sense, there is something that's in, there's something really intimate about that just little hand touch moment, because Mm -hmm. it's the only time throughout the movie that a male character gives her any kind of grace of any kind, Mm -hmm. any kind of, any kind of gentleness, like the whole time. There is one scene at the end after everything goes down and Catherine and Clarice are coming out of the house and we see Crawford like holding Clarice. Right. But I feel like that's more of a, I don't want to say like required right. motion from him. It's obligated. It's like, yeah. it, it's again, almost paternal in a way, almost possessive. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't come from a place of gentleness. It comes from, a, yeah. it, it comes from a very, it, it, it comes from a place of like duty, you know, the, yeah, the way I, that I, especially cause it's awkward, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's like if if that would have been one of his male trainees, they could have had a firm handshake and even a little like bro, like three pet bro hug out of it. Yeah, but he literally does not know how to touch a woman. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't know how. So he's also kind of using that motion as a way to like block her from right. interviewers and press. It's like yeah, to him, so they'll stay away. So it's immediately protective. Like it's yeah. immediately like it comes from the Hannibal thing. It's not about protecting her. It's about mm-hmm. him being like, only I'm allowed to be an asshole to this person. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. Yes. And it's it's so it the the whole thing I think to me boils down to like and I preface this with saying this is okay and this doesn't make it any lesser of a movie and this doesn't make Clarice any 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 less of a good protagonist. But mm-hmm. she's a victim the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a victim the whole movie. Yeah. Um, she's not... 
I don't even see her victory at the end being a heroic moment. I see it more being like, because one of the notes I wrote down was, you know, all of those montages of her being trained in the FBI, you know, just basic stuff, all the running and everything like that. And there's that one short moment where her and a partner go in for that, like, like infiltration exercise. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the proctor puts the gun to her head and he's like, you're dead. Here's you, the you, clip. You, you, didn't, you didn't check your corner. Mm-hmm. so it's all about this very manual stuff but then that same fbi is like hey go talk to hannibal mm-hmm. go chat with him alone that's fine and also hey what's up with this creepy ass storage unit that we don't know anything about just go wander you know go by yourself and go then she, yourself yeah and then she rolls up at the end to the house that ends up <laughs> being the one that buffalo bill is in and like, yeah, maybe they didn't think it was going to be that house, but also there's evidence in that house. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, th- it's not just like, oh, we think that he's here. So let's check that one off the list. Yeah. There's, there can't be anything wrong there. So it's like, it, it, it's that, it's that whole thing of like, I want you to do it like this, but also go do whatever. Go do it by yourself. And the funniest thing is like, that we, we see, we see that, the harassment and abuse and negligence all, all directed at Clarice Starling and mm-hmm. just let, letting her do whatever. And yet it's in total contrast to um, like Buffalo Bill in a very twisted sense mm-hmm. protects the women that he kidnaps mm-hmm. until he kills and skins them. So something that I noticed that's obvious and obviously it's like a deep cut. I wouldn't expect most people watch the movie and be like, is Buffalo Bill the good guy? Like, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh, he was the hero all along. Um, but there, it, it, it is an interesting stark contrast if you look at it, especially mm-hmm. tapping into that feminine side of Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. is that he's, it's not, he's being, not that he's being good to them, but he's protecting no. them. Mm-hmm. Whereas the FBI couldn't give two shits about what happens to Clarice as long as they maybe get a lead. Yep. And so at the end, and, and that whole awkward, you know, protective hug that Crawford gets at the end, it really just hits the nail in the coffin of like, nobody ever gave a shit about this girl at all. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal didn't care either. Because they were using her from the start. The only reason they sent her to do this was because she was a woman. Right. And Hannibal wouldn't talk to anybody else. So they're like, well, let's just send a woman in. And right. And then even Hannibal gave up on like, her in the 11th yeah. hour. I mean, Hannibal said, you know, I'm a man and I don't know how to control my emotions. And I feel that I've been betrayed, even though I'm a psychotic cannibal murderer. So <laughs> I'm going to throw a big man fit. I'm going <laughs> to eat some fresh face. And then I'm going to like disappear to the Caribbean. I'm going to hang this man up. Right. Christ. And then has the nerve to call her. The nerve. On her graduation day. <laughs> like, it, it, uh, that, that last phone call is obviously a fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the funniest thing is, like, this movie is so interesting because, like, obviously Hannibal is a dick. And mm-hmm. when I say, like, oh, I can't believe Hannibal was a dick all the way to the end, like, obviously I expected him to be a dick the whole time because he's a psychotic murderer. It's manipulative. It's like there's moments where you're like, huh, maybe men can change. You know, there's little moments <laughs> where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, Hannibal did that. But, it, you, I mean, you finally learn, like, all of his support for Clarice was completely superficial. Mm-hmm. Like, because at the end, and even at the end, the last moments of the movie are him hunting down a guy 
who treated her poorly. Mm-hmm. So he's still the white knight. Yep. Even in the end. I'm going to have an old friend for dinner. Beep. Right. <laughs> and then literally he's like, hey, you fucking with my girl? You know, like that. I mean, that's literally like, that's what the end of the movie is. He also really looks like Paul McCartney. <laughs> that hair. <laughs> yeah. That the, his costume at the end is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> It's the hair. And especially because you see him in close-up for most of the phone call. And then mm-hmm. the, the, the last shot of one of the most famous psychological thrillers of all time is this whack-ass dude in this, like, wig and Hawaiian shirt just, yeah. like, just walking down the beach. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, that's the thing. They, they were watching all the way through. They're like, I can't really find anything I love about this movie. And then they saw that last moment. And they were like, hmm, we got to call the Oscars. We got to call Found the Academy it. today. Um, I think that this was... That's how he wins the award. Is they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even believe it was him. <laughs> um, the ending is very like the whole Buffalo Bill and Clarice showdown mm-hmm. to me seems very underwhelming. I don't know if you also feel that way. I feel like it ends too quickly. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like, yeah, the real villain the whole time was Hannibal and like the real mm-hmm. villain the whole time were like all the men in the movie, mm-hmm. but it, it, it also just feels like a, a, a shitty way to send out Buffalo Bill. Yeah. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. I kind of wish that they wouldn't have killed him. I wish they would have caught him, taken okay. him, and I wish we could have learned a little bit more about him. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said earlier, he's a very complex character with a lot to unpack. Right. But we never get to hear anything from him. No. A lot from Hannibal's perspective and what the FBI has in their, like, case file. But we never get to hear anything from him Mm -hmm. specifically. So I wish that they would have taken him in in, rather than killing him. Right. Yeah, because it just seems like a... It just seems like a disservice to like, like the way that they're setting it up. Like mm-hmm. it, it just seems like, oh, there's so much that we lost. Yeah. And it also just feels like a weak, like Clarice killing Buffalo Bill doesn't seem to me like a win for anybody. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't feel like she gets any pleasure out of doing it. You know, it's not a victory thing. It's it yeah. it, it, it just it, it all seems very heavy handed and like messy. Mm-hmm. Um, which you is also, weird. You also have to remember that she is a student still. Exactly. What she right? Like process what she's doing. She's just like right. Oh shit! This guy's gonna kill me if I don't kill him first. Right. That's the mentality of it. And also, let's talk about those night vision goggles. Right. <laughs> what is happening? that's the only place i can think of where he would have gotten those is where a catalog oh yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely because amazon isn't a thing back in the 90s i miss the days of the catalogs man (laughs) the greatest stuff what are serial killers doing today now that there's no catalogs anymore amazon yeah and so it it's just so unsatisfying (laughs) it's so it's so unsatisfying (laughs) the catalog is what makes it catalogs i think were made for serial killers 
Yes. Like the fact that there was an entire industry of like <laughs> taking the weirdest, like the weirdest things in new technology and putting yeah. them all in one big fucking book. <laughs> like that was like, <laughs> you're, nobody in the catalog industry is allowed to be like, oh, serial killers are really getting out of hand. Because I was like, you created them. Yeah. Like you and you their gave distant them others. Their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for bad moms and catalog industry, people like Ted Bundy never would have happened. <laughs> if he would have just had a healthy mother and not had any catalogs. You know. So super, super random side note, because this is super interesting. Um, mm. I was just listening to, uh, speaking of catalogs and shit, I was listening <laughs> to um, a podcast episode about uh, David Parker Ray, who was the toy box killer. Mm-hmm. Like very like uh, underrepresented, like fucked up dude. Like not enough people. Oh my God, he's, like, horrifying. He's, I mean, like he probably killed so many people. Yeah. But my favorite tidbit that they talked about on the podcast was I guess he had like paraphilia which is where you like get turned on by like weird things and stuff and like a lot of people with paraphilia like can't get off Mm -hmm. unless they were like watching pain be inflicted or unless they're you know watching like like they 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 need that and I guess one time in like his 50s after he'd already killed like a bunch of people I guess Mm -hmm. had a weird little breakdown and he called Viagra on the phone yes and he said do you if i take viagra will i be able to get off without beating the shit out of women because i just don't know what to do i can't believe that's a real fact like he just called viagra that's how i feel about the catalogs they were like people people like uh jeffrey dahmer were like writing to the catalogs and being like can can i get an extra rope with this and they were like sure like value customer (laughs) we love value customers like you jeff here's a free button too here's a free button (laughs) customer service man customer service is so um, imagine how many like as a retail employee i i often wonder how many murderers have come through and like rented movies for me and then gone and like killed people Mm -hmm. you know because customer customer service employees were really like the face of the serial killer industry. Yeah. Because they you all come and what, buy stuff. You don't know what you're like selling, like why this person's coming in and buying these products. Like, what are you doing with these? Yeah. Even like, you know, what if why you, do you need this much rope? <laughs> what if you were the guy who like sold Ted Bundy the gas for his oh car? God. Like one person sold Ted Bundy the gas that he needed to put in his car to like go to a, a sorority house and kill a bunch of girls. Oh, that's so scary. Dude. That's one guy who was just yeah. like, oh, it's just like my mom kicked me out of the house. So I got to <laughs> sell some gas. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so scary to think. About. It's something I think about all the time. <laughs> like one action could have just. Yeah. <laughs> if he just everything. would have been like, sorry, I just got a call. We're out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. To and tell Bundy you. would have been like, shit, I got to go home to my mom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, that's, just, just. <laughs> this, this is the inside of my mind. This is why I have the show. Um, yeah. So wild ass movie, man. Yeah. This movie's crazy. Such a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. I do think so. But the, the fun thing about doing a show like this is a lot of times I feel like I don't have to hate a movie to be able to like rip it apart, mm-hmm. which is fun. Because yeah. there have been movies where I'm like, this movie's fucking stupid. Because like, there are some parts as well that I was watching this and I was like, 
why is why does this guy have Nazi memorabilia? Yeah. Like, why does this man have all of this stuff going on? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, oh, just an, just another little scene that I didn't touch on during the main chunk of the episode, but uh, <laughs> one of my <laughs> it, it's almost like a like uh, uh, like Abbott and Costello comedy moment in the midst mm-hmm. of a really fucked up movie is when when they're all going into like the into like the autopsy room to like see that first dead girl's body. Yeah, they do the thing, which obviously is just. I get what it is, but it's funny yeah. the way to watch them. It's like we get this little montage, like do 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 of them all just putting on their little stuff. And then when they uncover the body, everybody gets we we get one just little bit too long shot of each of the men going like they all do that little wince, <laughs> and like, then it cuts to the next guy, and he's like. And then, like, and then it's just, like, hits them all, like, shot for shot. And then Clarice, Clarice. isn't even facing. And they're, like, Clarice. And she turns around just like a badass. She's, like, I don't smell shit. <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah. She's, like, what do you guys worry about? <laughs> oh, I love it. And they all just mishandle her body the whole time. Like it's They're just, just, like, throwing her around. It's five minutes of them, like, flicking legs and being, like, <laughs> And then she's like, there's something in their mouth. And he's like, there's nothing in their mouth. There's nothing in her mouth. We need to to leave. (laughs) Yeah, it just makes me very uncomfortable. And it is very unintentionally funny. And I appreciate it. Um, So, yeah. Oh, I also wanted to add. Every depiction of West Virginia in this movie is so stupid accurate. It makes (laughs) Like, all of the houses... The uniforms, like the, even like down to the way the funeral homes look. Yeah. 100%. That is unfortunate because one thing that I notice every time I watch that movie is how stupidly built that funeral home is. Literally. Yeah, that's what funeral homes look like. Like the worst design. Like I get claustrophobic just looking at it because I'm like, <laughs> this is not, <laughs> this is, this is one of the most unfortunate places that anybody has to hang out. And like you make in, the layout. It's like a bad Sims house. They're old houses. Right. Girl homes are. But like the worst old houses ever. Like you have to mm-hmm. like shift your body and turn left <laughs> and like crawl down a corner and you're like, there's yeah. my aunt. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what they look like too. It's I've horrible. Never been in. And to be, the, the, one of the things that makes me so upset, it's like, these families are trying to mourn and the police department is taking up the whole kitchen. Yep. Which is only like three square feet anyway. <laughs> but yeah. like, that's the only path to the observation room. <laughs> that's the only yeah. path to see the the coffin and they're taking up the whole thing. They're all like, they all get like really offended whenever people are trying to like get past them. Right. Clarice is like, look, guys, get out of the way. And they're like, we're we're broken video game characters. I can't move. NPC. (laughs) Yeah, they're literally just like elbowing like mourners in the face. Like, this is a serious case. I don't even know why we're here. And that's the thing. They're not talking to anybody in the family. Yeah. They're not there to like talk to anybody. They're They're literally just staring at each other. (laughs) Where should we congregate? I guess in the kitchen of this funeral home? Yep. Isn't there like a room with some double-sided glass that we could go talk in or something? I don't know. No, maybe. it's an old house. Right. Is like, anybody putting some beans, beans on the stove? <laughs> My grandma's from West Virginia. I, It'd be lima beans. I have to ask her her take on this on this movie. 
Yes, it would be lima beans. Knowing my grandma, she'll be like, when I lived in West Virginia, everything was different. Um, all the weird things about West Virginia in this movie are not the way I remember it because I remember West Virginia <laughs> being perfect and great and nothing bad ever happened. And there's another part where when they're doing this like examination, she's like, oh, she has three ear piercings and her nails are painted. She's, yeah, she, she must she's be- a downy. <laughs> <laughs> And they say it was, it's like a law and order moment, how they say it was so much, like, that's a perfect alibi. They're like, she's like, mm, not from here. It's she's like, from oh, town. why? Ah, air piercing, but it's, glitter. it's so true, though. Right. Like, it's, it's so, I don't, sorry to anyone from West Virginia listening to this, if you don't agree, but you can definitely tell somebody from Southern West Virginia from, like, Morgantown, Northern West Virginia. There's, yeah. like, two completely different See, I have a unique situation being in Michigan in that everybody in Michigan dresses like a moron. Um, so there's no well-dressed places or poorly dressed places in Michigan. Um, you could never determine somebody's wealth or class based on how they dress. Mm-hmm. Um, because in Michigan, it's very cool to dress like you're homeless. Um, but Same also, here, honestly. But also very cool to dress like, you're like, I don't know about you, but my clothes don't quite fit. <laughs> That's a very trendy thing. To be like, these khakis are just like a smidge too short. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Like, All right. I feel like yeah. I'm the loser because like I size my clothes properly. All of my clothes fit. <laughs> right. Imagine wearing form-fitting clothes and people be like, what point are you trying to make? It could <laughs> like, yeah, not yeah. be me. No. It, it's, yeah. It, everybody, it, we put too much money into cars here mm-hmm. and not enough money into like, Social grace. Well, for the like <laughs> Gretchen Whitmer is the best dressed person in Michigan. I think that's why she got elected to be the governor. That's why I voted for her. <laughs> I was like, you, you look so good in blue. We need that kind of leadership. No. No. Crazy shit, man. Mm. Um, well, now I can't wait to come visit West Virginia. I hang out in a funeral home. I was going to say. <laughs> Just to be a good tourist. <laughs> Can you believe it? Like it's actually this small. Um, <laughs> oh well. Um, at the end of every episode, I always give everybody an opportunity to plug, like an organization or cause or something that they're passionate about, so that I can like plug it in like the description for the episode, and people can like hear about stuff. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to be ready. I never give anybody a warning. So that comes from the heart. I don't know any off the top of my head, Bailey. <laughs> well, they they can be big, broad ones. It doesn't have to be a website. You could be like, you should give a shit about this. <laughs> um, you should give a shit about Black Lives Matter. Facts. Yeah. Facts. That was such a prominent issue this year. Right. I guess last year. <laughs> well, did you know that it's 2021 now and that means no, that there's no problems anymore? No. <laughs> that means nothing's wrong anymore. Everything is fine. Though. Didn't Didn't you hear? COVID is gone. Yeah. Everybody loves each other. Yeah. Everything's fixed. 2021. No, but yeah, for real. That's true. That's a good call. I've, pl- I've plugged that in other episodes before. That's actually a good go-to. And I like that it's become almost like a regular segment of the show at the end where yeah. people are like, what a wild movie. Anyway, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have it in the corner of my website too, mm-hmm. just to like turn away Republicans, um, <laughs> just in case they get lost. You know? Also, Catherine's mom in this movie is a... Republican senator. Right. 
And then has the nerve to look at Hannibal Lecter and say, get this thing away from me. Love your suit. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Love it. Senator Martin is like the OG girl boss. Yes. <laughs> so powerful. I love it. She's like, she's like, close the border, but make it fashion. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Black Lives Matter is huge. I will plug mm-hmm. up some petitions and stuff and things like that in the description, as I always do. Good, good. Um, for anybody who hasn't been on my website, um, because you're busy, I get it. Um, <laughs> there is a little tab in the corner that says hashtag Black Lives Matter. And if you click on it, I have a, 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 a rotating list of like black media that I mm-hmm. deem to be important. And that would never be worthy of slaying because it's always good. Um, so that's the one time that I, as the host, get to celebrate movies and TV. But there's a lot of good stuff on there. If somehow you missed the whole 2020 thing where you're like, oh, I'm supposed to care now. You still can. <laughs> there's, there's time for everyone. You can care any year. <laughs> um, but start soon. It's a 2020 thing. Yeah, start soon, though. It's gonna, it, it helps smooth the process along. You should have started sooner. <laughs> right. Well... I appreciate you being on my show. Yes. And mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure. I'm honored and, to be here. Yeah, maybe maybe someday when we're vaccinated, we can meet up at a funeral home and just vibe. <laughs> yes. Well, folks, thanks again for tuning in uh, to our first episode of um, Slaying Favorite Season 2. I know it's a day late, um, but uh, it's 2021. <laughs> bear with me. Bear with each other. Um, so I do want to quickly say right here on the end, um, that now that we're into 2021, we are going to shift the formula a little bit. Slaying Favorites is going to become a twice a month show. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to start doing it, um, every other week. Um, so two a month. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's just to be able to balance other projects and working on some other exciting stuff and just to make sure that we don't blow through all our submissions too fast and to just space things out and still give you quality content to enjoy. So it's going to be twice a week from here on out. So you can expect another one, uh, not this coming week, but the week after, and hopefully it will be worth the patience. Thanks again so much for your continuous support. Have a wonderful weekend.